I'll just explain. You've got the sheets in front of you because um, I like interactive stuff. I like people involved. And I think sometimes when you're sitting there and people are talking, you sort of... It'll help you focus. It'll certainly help me because you're going to do reading. You're going to read out loud for me, please. Okay? Right. Father, thank you. Lord, you anointed Yeshua with the Holy Spirit and power. And I ask you to anoint me now with the Holy Spirit and power and anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what you want to say. Blot out anything I might say, but cause your word to sink deep into people that will bring change and progress in life. In his name, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> the subject's been faith. It's great being the, one of the later ones on this subject because certain people <laughs> pinch your theme. <laughs> I've had these themes going round in my head. Oh, yeah, that's going to be it. Anyway, walk in forgiveness. <laughs> <coughs> so, my opinion on faith is it's a conviction of the heart. It's not a conviction of the head. It's a conviction of the heart. It's knowing something that results in an action. Faith is an action. For me, faith is confidence in his faithfulness. Because he's faithful, I can trust his word and do what it says. That's faith for me. Um, it's simple at times. I've also realized it's a journey. So you might think, I haven't got much faith, can't do this, can't do that. No. Faith is a journey. You start off with a little, you use it, more comes. It develops. And it leads to a wonderful place called rest. Because faith is where you end up with rest. You continue in faith, you end up in this place of rest where you think, wow, God is amazing. He's wonderful. I don't have to stress. I don't have to panic. Because he's good. Even if I mess up, the blood of Jesus blots out my mess. I get a fresh start. In the middle of the day when I've done something yucky, I think, no, I'm not going to feel bad about that. I repent and I thank you for the blood of Jesus. Faith is also significantly to me an act. Here we have a pack of seeds. The Bible is like seeds. Now, if these seeds stay in the packet, the only thing I'll have is a picture of a sunflower. But if I take these seeds and put them in the ground, I have more chance of getting a sunflower. However, if I water them, keep an eye on them, make sure nobody's digging them up, make sure nobody's eating the seeds, which is happening in our garden at the moment. I blame Jerry for that. <laughs> these seeds will produce a harvest of beautiful, beautiful sunflowers. If I plant them and if I look after them. Faith's exactly the same. Okay. <clears throat> now you've got a sheet there and it should have Romans 10 verse 8 on it. If it hasn't, I've wasted hours. Okay. This is how faith works. Would you like to read with me, please? The word is near you in your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. 
If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He is unto righteousness, and the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Basic steps. We believe in the heart, and we say something with the mouth. That's it. We come to a point in, we've, we've been to a point in our life when that's happened for us that we've realized, wow, I need this. I need him. And we speak it out of our mouth. The light goes on. The penny drops. Whatever phrase you want to use. Your eyes are suddenly open to the difference in the world. Basically, what's happened is Holy Spirit has introduced you to Jesus. Then, this wonderful Jesus reveals the Father of mercy and love. And the Father, in his goodness, accepts us as his children. His precious, blood-bought children. And that's when real life begins. I used to think I had a great life until I got born again. One day, I'll tell you about how my life has gone. Not now. I haven't got time. <laughs> but I just want to pray for people who may not yet have come to this place. And obviously people uh, in television land. If you haven't yet received this wonderful Jesus into your life, I actually would pray this prayer now. Father, I want to know Jesus. I want to know what he's done for me. I acknowledge I've sinned. I need you. I thank you for your blood, which blots out my sin. And if I accept you into my life, I become a new creation with new hope, new life, new heart. And I thank you for this gift, Father. I thank you for the gift of life. I accept Jesus as my savior. And I thank you for him. And I'm going to tell somebody what's just happened to me because I believe it in my heart. I confess it with my mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's happened to you, please um, get help at the front. And... Um, if it's in television land, please be in touch because we have resources that will help you. Okay, now we're going to look at faith according to Jesus. Let's face it, if anybody knew what faith was, he's it. Right, Mark eleven twenty two to 24. Thank you. Have faith in God. Be thou removed, cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Some translations don't say have faith in God. They say have faith of God. So again, we've got it. It's saying and believing. You believe something in your heart, say it with your mouth. And Jesus himself, the Son of God, who can be absolutely trusted, said, ask, believe, receive. It's not rocket science. However, there are conditions. You have to ask. You have to believe, and you have to expect something to happen. If you don't expect, you're not using faith. 
It's not just words on a page here. This is life. Ask. He said it twice. In this passage, he says it twice. If he says something twice, that shows it's extremely significant. Ask. And in 1 John, it says, ask. It says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and it's granted. Ask according to his will, it's done. You just got to wait for it. Sometimes you can wait a minute, sometimes a day, sometimes it might take a long time. I've had promises for over 20 years, which is coming to pass now. Some things, it's like that. Some things, faith and patience inherit the promises. Okay. So what else does he tell us to do? Let's have a look at Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, please. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Okay. Now, this is Paul speaking in both cases. First of all, he says, imitate God as dear children. Imagine that. We're dear children to him. Paul says, imitate him. Then he says, imitate me just as I imitate Messiah. So let's think. How did God work? How does he work? Does he pop down and do things? No. God speaks. It's done. Look at creation. God said, let there be light or light be. Light arrived. What he said happened because he believed that what he said would happen. That's what we've got to imitate. We've got to believe that the good things that we're saying will happen. Okay? Paul also said, imitate Messiah. So what did he do? He spoke. God worked. On the earth, as a man, he spoke. God worked. If you don't believe me, let's read John 14, verse 10. Words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. So who was doing the works? Was it Jesus? In a sense. But he's acknowledging it's the Father in me that's doing the works. Guess who's in you? If you're born again, the spirit of the living God is inside you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. He's in there. You just got to let him out. What about Paul? He said, imitate me. So what did Paul do? He went all over the known world, preached, and amazing things happened. Every time he preached the word of God, the Holy Spirit went into action and backed up what he said. Untold thousands have probably been born again, delivered, healed, restored, demons cast out, lives transformed, because the man trusted what God said when God said to him, when God gave him his instructions, he said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, who am I? What can I do? I can't do anything. Yes, you can. You've got the spirit of the living God inside you. The other thing you've got to remember, Paul, this like incredibly talented Jewish rabbi, soaked in the scriptures, where did God send him? To the Gentiles. He didn't get sent to his Jewish people. 
who we could relate to like that with his incredible knowledge and wisdom. What about Peter? Fisherman. Who did he get sent to? The Jews. I wouldn't have done it that way. I'd have sent Paul to the Jewish people and I would have sent Peter to the non-Jewish people. But God did it that way. So you might think, I can't do this, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Because Paul got sent to the different group of people he was expecting and Peter got sent to a different group of people. He wouldn't have done it that way around. So the thing is, if we imitate God, we're going to do amazing things. I think the time is now. I think the time is now. It's now. Now is the day of salvation. People out there need saving. So, let's be like God. I think God's plan, I'm again being simple here, I think God's plan is to have millions and millions of people looking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, acting like Jesus, who will then make more people who look and talk and act like Jesus. All right. So, words, power of words. Let's look at that. I just love this one. This, this is one of my favorites. Psalm 17, verse 4. Please. By the words of your lips, I have kept myself from the paths of the destroyer. Think about that. By the word of your lips, the word of God's lips, I keep myself from the path of the destroyer. I don't waste much time on the destroyer, Satan, the father of lies, the deceiver of millions, the one who is known as the God of this world, according to Jesus. By the words of our mouth, if it's his word, you keep yourself from the path of the destroyer. I think that is incredibly powerful. Next one, Proverbs 10, verse 11. The upright will deliver them. What comes out of your mouth can deliver you. The next one's pretty powerful too. Proverbs 18, 22. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Sometimes we can say negative things from our mouth about ourselves. Worst thing. Sometimes you do something and you say to yourself, oh, you dope, you idiot, how could you do that? Not the best thing to say because you're making yourself, you will become what you speak. Words are incredibly powerful. No wonder in the Psalms it says, set a guard, O Lord, on my mouth. We have to set our own guard on our mouth. Okay, that's the mouth. Now, how do we get more faith? Well, there's no quick way. There's no fix. There's no drive through McDonald's, grab it, eat it, go. It's not like that. Faith starts small and gradually gets bigger. And the more time you spend in his word, in his presence, you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. My mind had 30-odd years to accumulate all sorts of ideas, which I thought were very good. All sorts of ideas were programmed into me for 30-odd years, and it's taken quite a while of me being in the word for that rubbish to be out, for my mind to be renewed so that I am transformed. I am not as I was. You wouldn't have, met, you wouldn't have wanted to meet me. Faith grows. Okay. Pastor Gary's encourages us all to start small. Yeah, start small. Five minutes here. 
15 minutes there. Get a little book. If you haven't got a little book in which to write scriptures that you want to focus on, if you're only going to do a five minute here and there, have a book, open it, think, right, I'm just going to re read this one, think about this one. Get a book, write them in. We've got books, we can give you them as you leave. If you want a book, ask the people on front line and they will get one, they're upstairs, there's loads of them. Free. You can't have any on the camera though, sorry, you'll have to come and get one. Okay. Five to 15 minutes. I know there's a lot of people who'll be thinking, five to 15 minutes, you're not going to get far with that. No, you won't, but you'll build up. Do more. Start small, build, build, build. So some days you'll be spending hours in the Word and having a wonderful time. You might think, I've got a 24-hour, seven job. You've got time to eat, you've got time to read. You can read while you're eating if you're that bad. Okay? Remember when uh, the disciples were out there doing stuff and they hadn't eaten? They were so busy doing stuff. Yeah, he said, come, rest a while, come away. You've got to make time for what's important. Put it this way, if by some amazing miracle, planes started to fly again from Adelaide, which would be wonderful if they did. I'd love to go to England and see my dad. Anyway, if somebody said to me, there's a plane leaving tomorrow to go to Tel Aviv in Israel, can you be ready? I'd be ready within minutes. My case would be packed. My passport is already in, in good order. I would be gone. So something that's important to me, I will make time and I'll do it. Okay. So that's really covered Romans 10, 17, but let's read it early because it's lovely. So then, it comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's do Proverbs 4.20. Attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, do not let them depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. Okay, your faith will grow if you spend time listening to what God's saying. I love this one in Proverbs 4.20, it's one of my absolute go-to verses. Attend to my word. That means full-on, focused attention. That doesn't mean, oh yeah, but I've got to do this text as well. It means focus on him. Incline your ear. You've got to incline. You've got to make an effort. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Have scriptures around that you see. As Joy was saying, you've got the photos there to remind you of your family. Have scriptures. I've asked Jackie to put a new one on the door. Blessed going out, blessed coming in. Because you need to remember that. You should have one of those in front of the car. You know, the wheel. Steering wheel, sorry. Blessed going out, blessed coming in. Going to be safe. Now, what about John 8, 31, please? If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. He knows what he's talking about. The truth will make you free. But it's only the truth you know that makes you free. If you know a truth from God's word, you've got something to hold on to. You've got something specific to hang on to. The truth of it will, will, will deal with whatever, you, whatever you're facing. 
If you're dealing with a financial crisis, God says, I will supply all your needs according to my riches in glory. You hang on to that. If you're dealing with sickness, he says, what does he say here? My words are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. I've held on to that. I had a little issue recently where I had to go to docs, which is a very rare thing. Thankfully, I'm grateful for that. Um, in passing, he said, these symptoms, there's two choices, there's two options, there's two things it could be. One of them, it could be a virus, a parasite, something like that. Or it could be ovarian cancer. So I left there thinking, ovarian cancer? Hmm, option one. Parasite, virus, option two. I spent a lot of time shutting my mind up to option ovarian cancer. Because if I dwelt on that, I would have got myself into a real state of, poor me, poor me, how could this happen to me? Which is a waste of time. There's no, you know, you can't go through, poor me, why did this happen to me? So I had to remind myself that his words are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Thankfully, it wasn't ovarian cancer. Thank you. Now, Matthew 24, 4, please. That no one deceives you. In a, in a brilliant passage in Matthew 24, when Messiah is talking about end time events, which obviously we're well into now, he made this statement right at the beginning. Take heed that no one deceives you. There is a deceiver at work in society doing his best to terrify people with the possibility that they might get sick and die. It is horrible to be sick, and I'm not being lighthearted about dying. But at the end of the day, I had to think about that and think, hang on, if I die, what's the first thing I'm going to see? That face. I'm going to see that face. So for me, that helped me to keep things in perspective. Because the fear of it <coughs> did affect me for a little while. I thought, this is not good. I don't want this to happen to me. And worse than that is the fear that you got it, didn't know, and you gave it to somebody else, and they died. Now, that would be horrendous to, to do that. So these things, you think, yeah, this is, this, is, this is a risk, this is fear. But then you think to yourself, you can't let fear win. Be sensible. Do the right thing, but do not allow fear in, because fear is very dangerous. <clears throat> 2 Thessalonians 2.10. This is an interesting passage. I couldn't put all of it down because it's quite a long one. I would recommend reading it because it says, oh, sorry, those who perished did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. I'd recommend you read that passage because it's actually extremely interesting as to who is involved in that passage. Okay. My basic point is, it's essential to read the word. That's point one. Point two, meditate. Think about it. Visualize it. He's given us this incredible imagination. If I said chocolate to you now, you'd be thinking of, wow, nice things. Your mind immediately goes to your favorite type of chocolate. Or if you're a man, it might not be chocolate, it might be something else. 
I believe they don't like chocolate as much as us. Anyway, meditation is very important. It's not something that the New Age came up with. It's something that God came up with. He said, meditate, visualize, see it happening. See the change that you're hoping for. See the change that you're believing for. See the change that you are speaking for. See it. The next thing is declare it. You've got to use your mouth. You've got to speak out the word of God. It's more powerful. Then the next thing, study it. You have to study. It's no good just having a quick five minutes and thinking that will be enough. It will not be enough. Study it. Get a book. Start writing out things that he's telling you as you're reading. Get into a group. Oh, this, oh we'll get into that in a minute. And the next important thing to do. So you've read it. You've meditated. You've declared it. You've studied it. Next thing, the easy one. Do it. Obey it. You've got to obey what he's revealed to you. If he reveals something to you through his word, that means he wants you to do something with it. You might be thinking, that's a lot of effort. Yeah, it is. You know, if I wanted gold, I'd have to make a big hole in the ground, in the right place, dig for a long time, till I found some. If I wanted anything that's hidden in the ground, any treasure that's in the ground, I'd have to make a huge amount of effort to get it. What's different? There's treasure in the word of God. They're incredible nuggets of gold worth far more than natural gold. But you've got to dig. It's hidden. Why did Jesus speak in parables? It's interesting. Look at the answer that the disciples got to that question. Why, did you, why are you speaking to them in parables? He said, they've got to work it out. They've got to think about it. It's hidden. He hid things in parables. People sometimes say, your oh, parables made it easy for people to understand. Some of them didn't. Some of them you've read, got to think about it. You think, what on earth is he talking about? What does he mean? You know, it's like a dragnet with, with bringing in all these loads of fish. You, some we throw out and some we keep. What is he talking about? Find out. Definitely start small, but get bigger. The other thing is, get help. Guess what? On the internet, it's not just, that thing is not just, I call it the line box, the television. On the internet, there are loads and loads of excellent speakers. We are in the habit of watching excellent speakers who challenge and encourage and give you a little stab every now and again. Oh, yes, I should be doing that. Get involved with excellent teachers or join other people who are eager to grow. I want to just mention connect groups. There's not that many of them at the moment. But I would say, join one. You might think, I'm busy. Well, reorganize yourself. Focus, prioritize. The best part of my week is going to the connect group. I do nice things all through my week, but that's the highlight for me. Sundays are very important to me as well, obviously. I'm here, I love it. But in the connect group, I'll just give you an example. We read scriptures, we study them privately, we come together and we share what we found, we share insights and revelation. I am every single week from what the other members of the group say, I get challenged, 
I think, I never knew that. I never saw that. This is because the Connect group is connecting with God. They're hearing from God. And I just want to honor that. This op- I'm not commenting on anybody else's Connect group because I don't go. But I want to honor the people in our Connect group because I really respect you for what you do and for the effort you put in. This is an example of what happened recently. Um, sometimes I give homework. And this, this last week, I didn't give any. And when we got together, somebody said to me, what about the homework? I said, oh, we've got a week off. I said, well, we like the homework. I rang somebody up on Friday night. This is another example of how wonderful a connect group is. I rang somebody up on Friday night. I just said, a friend of ours needs help. Can you come? Immediately. Oh, I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm doing my homework for Connect. Friday night. Friday night. You know, party night. Night for going out and having fun. Doing their homework for, con- for our Connect group. And I said, can you come out? Somebody needs help. Yes. They didn't think about it. They immediately said yes. Because we're connected. When one part of the body suffers... The rest of the body helps. When one part of the body rejoices, the rest of us can rejoice. It's a connection. I would highly, highly recommend connect groups. And if you think there isn't one, start one. Talk to the man at the front. He'll say yes. I can guarantee it. If you think, I want a connect group. I want to get with people who are going to encourage me. I want to get with people who pray for me. I want to get with people who are going to challenge me. He'll say yes, guarantee it. The other thing, something I learned from our Connect group is because we all have different translations and we share the differences and, and really enjoy them. One of the translations this week said, Satan is very diligent. I thought, ooh, Satan's very diligent. Guess what? That encouraged me to be more diligent because I thought, if he's diligent going round stealing, killing, destroying, and deceiving people, I'm going to be more diligent. I'm going to get the word in me and get the word out of my mouth so that I do not walk down the path of a destroyer. We have to avoid distractions. Anything that's stealing a lot of your time, think about it. We all have to prioritize. I know busy jobs. I used to be a career woman. I used to be there. I was like, you know, Full on, 12-hour days. I had a future. I had all promotions lined up for me and stuff like that. I've been through that routine. I know what that's like. I'll tell you what. I always found time to go to pictures. Films, sorry, the movies. I always found time to do what I wanted to do as well as do the full-on thing. I would say, focus as if your life depended on it. Because it does. I'm not being a prophet of doom and gloom, but society is not going to get better. It is not going to get better. You see the way people are behaving in a lawless manner? That's not going to get less by itself. It will probably increase. Lawlessness will abound, and the love of many Christians will grow cold. Work that one out. Okay. Ephesians 4, 
verse 20 to 23. This is what we can do. This is a doing one. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, so that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay. This is where we can use our faith. We've got the old nature, the old man, with its old conduct and the corruption that went with it. There's that, but we put that off, put it off. No, I'm not going to live like that. Put on the new one by being renewed in the spirit of your mind and be the person that God has created you to be. You are particularly important to God. You are absolutely essential to God. You are created according to God. This is you, this is me, in true righteousness and holiness. He looks at us and he sees righteousness and holiness. You might not feel like it, totally irrelevant. Feel like it or not is not the point. The truth is you are holy and righteous. If you do something wrong, repent, the blood of Messiah cleanses it, start again. Holy and righteous. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, let's look at the doing part. Remember, faith is an act. So let's look at the actions we're required to do. First one, Paul, I mean, strong language here. Paul saying, I beseech you. It's like, you know, I beg you on knees. I beg you. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's not unreasonable. It feels unreasonable, but it's not unreasonable. He wants this thing. He needs this. This is the bit of Jesus he's got on the earth now. Us. Sorry, us. And, here's the big one. Do not be conformed to this world. We cannot live according to this world's standards of morality. We cannot live according to this world's standards of anything. We cannot. Get transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think God thoughts. Speak God words and live God's way. Faith will grow. Okay, I have to race on now. Enemies of faith. First one, I've mentioned it already. Fear. Matthew 8, verse 26. Lord, save us. We are perishing. 
But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose, rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. This was in the midst, and bearing in mind, most of these guys were seasoned fishermen. I think John spoke about this a few weeks ago. Seasoned fishermen. They'd been on the lake many times in many storms. This was a different type of storm because they were terrified witless. His response, why are you so fearful? You've got faith. Fear or faith. Another thing that can cause us problems is reasoning. Matthew 16, verse 8. Oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves? Because you brought no bread. Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Okay. So they're going on another trip in the boat across that beautiful lake. Isn't it gorgeous there? Isn't that lake beautiful? Those who've been to Israel, it is so special. The crossing over, he mentions bread. They think, oh grief, we forgot to bring some. What are we going to do? After they've just fed the, the 5,000. So they experience a miracle. But still, reason gets in the way. The other problem we have to deal with are our five senses. So let's read Galatians 5.16. See the answer to that one. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Okay. He's given us these things to live in. But this thing likes to do other things than what sometimes what God requires. This, things likes, this body likes to sleep in. This body likes to eat certain things that are not healthy for it. This body can be very lazy. This is my body. I'm not talking about your body. This is my body. Sometimes your eyes can see things that can cast doubt. Sometimes my eyes have watched a movie, and I think, I wish I hadn't watched that now. It was a PG, but it still had horrible things in it. One of the few things, films I can watch now is Gladiator, because there's no sex and there's no swearing, but there's lots of violence. There's hardly anything... I mean, I, I, my younger life, I was a film fanatic. I absolutely... Would, I would go and see films two and three times a week. I've done that. You know, in these places where they have five films on at once? I've done that. Came out of one and went in and watched another one. Films are very, have always been a key thing for me. But I now know I can't go and watch hardly any of them because I'm going to see and hear things that are not helpful that will get into me because my eyes will see that and it will cast doubt or it will cause me to want things that I can't have. So, you know, for me... I can't go and watch movies now. I, I look at the reviews of them and think, oh, that sounds good. Then they'll say something like, you know, coarse language. I think, no, I don't want to listen to coarse language. Or they'll say, you know, um, sex scenes. I think, no, I don't want to watch sex scenes. Sex is wonderful. It's special. Absolutely special. It's not a spectator sport, though. Just my opinion. <laughs> Sorry. Shouldn't talk about sex in church. it's wonderful. All you married ones sitting there thinking, yeah. <laughs> I hope. 
Anyway, quickly moving along. <laughs> now I'm in big trouble. Enjoy this. This might be the last time you see me. <laughs> I've done it now. Oh, well. Okay. Okay. Right. Quick. 2 Corinthians 5, 6. For we walk by faith, not by sight. It's faith, not what we see, not what we hear, not what we touch, not what we feel. And sometimes some of our spiritual things we say are a bit like, oh, obviously there's no faith there. Think about what you say before you say it. I've heard people say, um, you know, they want, anyway, we'll go there. I'll be in trouble, be in more trouble. Okay, distractions. What distractions have we got that are serious? The media, it lies. I can't say anything else but that. It absolutely lies. I've experienced it. I've seen things in Israel come back, hear the news report, I thought, that's not true. It's not true. It's lying now. It's frightening people to death. Fear can affect your body, which is more likely to make you sick. So... There you go. Busyness and laziness. These are problems we can have. Sometimes, I hate to say this, but people working in the church doing important and good things can wear themselves out because they've been super busy and possibly neglecting things that are important, like their family and friends and, good heavens, God. I know that. That was added to the tape after I'd left. Okay. There are distractions. We've got to be serious about that. There are definitely distractions. You've got to make a choice. Are you going to be distracted? Are you going to focus on him? I love this thing that Jesus said. I don't think you've got this one. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. I wonder what he meant by that. Seek first priority, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things right. And these things will be added to you. You can half kill yourself working and struggling to get promotion, promotion, promotion. I've been there, I've done that. You can get so busy doing stuff like that that you can, you know, there were times when my body was just like screaming, but I still kept pushing and pushing and pushing because that's what I had to do. For what? What for? Bigger car, bigger house, better this, better that. They ain't going with you. When we've uh, carked it, died, gone, we won't be taking all that stuff with us. Somebody else will enjoy it. Some, anyway, I'm good there. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be added to you. They will be added to you. How do I know that? Jesus said it. How do I know it's true? Because he said it and he is truth. He is absolute truth. Okay, you thought that's all been easy so far. Now here's the challenge. <clears throat> 2 Peter 1, 3 to 4. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Lust just does not mean sexual lust. It means the lust for things, the lust for, you know, 
other things other than that. Okay, think about this. His divine power has given. So we're talking about the one who created the heavens and the earth. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I read that and I think, so because of what he's given to me, I can lead a godly life. A godly life. A life like God. Godly life. When Jesus spoke about life, he talked about abundant life. He didn't talk about scraping along, which we do all have periods of that, and I'm not, not, I'm not belittling that. Life and godliness. He's given them to us. By his power, not our power, not our striving, his power. And the next section, exceedingly great and precious promises. There are, mil- there are so many dozens upon dozens and hundreds of promises in the Bible. Find yours. Find it and hang on to it and speak it and expect the promise keeper to keep his promise, because he will, if you do your bit, your bit's the hard bit, you've got to say it and believe it. He'll do it. You don't do it, he does. And look at the next bit, that through these promises, you would be a partaker of the divine nature. You would have the nature of God beaming out of you. Not hiding in you, but you would be visibly partaking of the divine nature. People outside need to see the divine nature. They need to see us being who we're supposed to be, like Jesus. Right, almost the last one. Oh, no, there isn't. There's more. Sorry. James 1, verse 22. I know John spoke about this. I'm pinching your idea here, John. Please read. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Well, I'd like to be blessed in everything I do, and there's a secret to being blessed in everything you do. It's be a doer of the word. Never mind when Messiah said, take heed that no one deceives you. We've also got to be careful that we don't deceive ourselves. I think it says that there, deceiving yourselves. So you've got to keep looking into this perfect law of liberty and do it. Hear and do Okay, I don't know whether you've got, have you got 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 and 3? Oh, good. We'll read it, then I'll mention something. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, 
who desires all men to be saved. Now, I've been gentle with you so far, haven't I? I've been quite easy. Now, this is serious. I have, I have had a chat with Pastor Gary about this, and he didn't disagree. That's as far as I'll go. I made a statement which I believe to be absolutely true, that the state of society is not the fault of politicians. It's not the fault of the Gates Foundation. It is the fault of the church. I am convinced, and since being convinced of it for several months, I've actually heard two teachers, preachers, ministers that I trust say exactly the same thing. So I'm thinking, I've been thinking this. They're thinking this. It's not just a me thing. I think the state of society is our fault. When I say our fault, I don't want you to get all condemned over it. I think the society, that whole body of Messiah, the whole church is responsible because how often do we do part one of this? I exhort. Exhort is a strong word. First, praying for those in authority. We end up with a government because we, we, what we get in a government is what we prayed for. If we're not praying for the government, they're not going to be able to do their job. Anyway, let's face it, the jobs are much bigger than the government at the moment. Anyway, but I am convinced that until churches, all the different institutions that bear that name, until they work together in unity, society will not get better. I'm not saying society is going to change overnight. It isn't. It'll change dramatically when Messiah comes back, but it can be a whole lot better before he comes. The churches as a block need to work together in unity because there's so much power in unity. The church should be using its voice instead of saying hardly anything. In this church, we have been taught, we, we have heard about abortion and the gender issue. So I'm not criticizing our pastor at all. But as a whole, I'm not conscious of the church saying anything about anything. Maybe I'm ignorant. I admit I don't watch television, but I hear people tell me things, but I've not heard anything. So, disunity at the block of people called the church. What about within here? Is the disunity in any shape, manner, or form here? I don't know. I'm not saying I know something and you don't know it. I don't. I don't know anything because I don't want to know stuff. I choose not to, not to pay attention to some things. But if we are not together as a body, working effectively, we may as well pack up and go home. We have to... There are people in here who have doctrinal views that are different to mine. Fine. Doctrine is absolutely essential, vitally important, but it's not something to argue about. It's not something to fall out about. It's not something to get agitated about. It's something you accept. People believe something differently to you. That's fine. We're all entitled to. It's God who will tell you whether you're right or wrong. I'm not going to tell anybody whether they're right or wrong in their doctrine. It's not my job. It's your own job to keep yourself safe by reading the book and asking him to give you wisdom and revelation. 
but I think it's absolutely essential that we work together effectively because faith works through love. So if you've got an issue with somebody, sort it out. I have to sort things out in my life, so you know, I'm, not, I'm not being horrible. I'm not definitely not condemning anybody. I can be feisty. Now, last one. Did I hear, thank God? <laughs> Matthew 28, verse 19. This is our beautiful Messiah, our lovely Savior, speaking to us directly. Okay. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the ages. Think about that. Going from the bottom. He is with us always. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will never, ever. In the Amplified Version, I hear, I will not, I will not, I will not let you down, leave you or forsake you. Now, he's talking to his gang. There's only 11 of them, theoretically. Because they haven't picked number 12 yet. All authority has been given to Jesus. And then he says, therefore, you go. Because I've got the authority, you can go. Because I'm giving it to you so that you can go and do what I've done. Make disciples. He actually didn't say, go evangelize. We have people who have the gifting of being an evangelist. And they are essential and wonderful. And thank God for them. But he said to the individuals standing in front of him, like you're there now, go make disciples of all nations. Some people will go to a different nation, but if you're in Australia at the moment, that's the nation to make disciples of. And notice he says, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. He didn't say all the things I have suggested to you or that you might want to think about possibly one day doing. He says, observe all the things I have commanded you because I am with you. I am with you. So, I don't want anybody to feel condemned, but I like it when I get convicted because conviction's a sharp thing and suddenly you think, oh yes, that slipped in priority. Things can slip from our list of priorities. For me, I think time is short I'm not being negative, but the time is short. Obviously, it is, because I'm getting older, so I might not be here for another 100 years. But the time is short in, for society and certainly short for us. We have to let people know about this beautiful saviour who picks up a bit of junk, my life in the past, 
I looked, su I looked successful. I had all the stuff, but I was not because I didn't have him. So we picked up this little piece of junk and started cleaning me up and fixing me up. My mind gets renewed. He looks after my body. Let's think about it. He renews our mind. He heals our body. Right now, Jesus is praying for us. What is more powerful than that? What, I mean, what can be more powerful? That he's praying for us. He puts the Holy Spirit within us. You're talking about the power of God within us. So we've got the Holy Spirit within. We've got the Word of God. We've got the Son of God praying for us. And who's he praying to? The Father who loves us. He absolutely adores us. He wants to pick us up all the time and hug us. He loves us so much. He adores us. And if we now and then it's clip. That wasn't right. Probably when I go and sit down again, I'll be thinking, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have said that. Too late, it's done. God adores us, but he's a good father. And he will occasionally give us a little clip and a reminder that our job in life is to love him and love people. That's all we have to do. Love God, love people. The world will, will know we are his disciples because we have love for one another. They're not going to know us by our doctrine, which is important. They're not going to know us by the sticker on the car. They're going to know us by love. And I see so much love in this room. I just want you to do one more thing. I've finished. You've got a prayer. I know I might have gone 10 seconds over the time. I want you to pray this for somebody. Now, there are some people who come by themselves. So they're not going to be able to pray for anybody. And you might be sitting next to the most adorable person in the universe, and I can see several of them. I don't want you to pray for that adorable person you're sitting next to or your best friend or the person you spend most of your, your social time with in, in church situations. I want you to have a look round, find somebody else and go and pray this prayer for them and with them and make a commitment to pray. We need to pray for each other. And this is, this is straight out the Bible. I haven't fiddled with it. It is pure Colossians 1 verse 9. I'd love you to go find somebody and pray with them this prayer.